Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around the table. Yes, this will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you live to see your children's children. Peace be to Israel. Amen. Thank you guys so much. Um, great. So I'm really excited to be talking about this. And we, we've been doing a series um, called Discipleship in an Instant Society, which has been based on the Psalms of Ascent. And um, Eugene Peterson, who wrote the message paraphrase, which is the translation of the Bible that Alan read from, um, also wrote a book called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, um, which is basically all about these Psalms of Ascent. And we've kind of tailed our series off that working alongside it, looking at 16 psalms um, in that, and all of them being about the songs that the pilgrims would sing as they're on their way to Jerusalem, reminding themselves of what God has done, who he is, and what he is doing. So we're going to be enjoying the blessing he has for us, and ultimately the call that we have to walk in his ways. And if you don't know what blessings means, just a little definition for you. Blessing is God's favor and his protection. And we see in the Bible, it's this one long exposition of God's blessing. Um, through Genesis to Revelation, we see um, a family lineage, people that God has built up and blessed and anointed and spoken through them. Um, but then actually what we understand of God's blessing is really this inner strength in our soul. As I said, it's not something external, it's not something physical, it's also not something that's fleeting, um, but it's an inner strength of our soul. And as we read these passages, straight away we're introduced to this way of life called um, fearing the Lord. Now this feels a little bit confusing, especially when we sing about how actually we sung a song today, we're no longer slaves to fear, but actually we should carry the fear of the Lord. That's my first point today, carrying the fear of the Lord. And actually, we need to understand that there's a difference between the two. There's a difference between being fearful, which is, you know, being anxious, being worried, being scared about the future or the situations that you'll face yourself in. And then there's also this fear of the Lord, which is very different. It's this awe, it's this submission of God, who he is, this reverence that he is holy, that he is God. So what happens when you fear the Lord is you step into obedience. And ultimately, when you step into obedience, you experience God's blessing. So this fear of God, this reverence, is actually crucial for how we relate and understand who God is. Will we be... Will we let him be as he is, which is holy, which is vast, which is wondrous, which is majestic? Or will we try and whittle God down to the small subject that our minds can contain him as? Because if we do the latter, we're not dealing with the God of creation or the Christ of the cross. But in fact, we're choosing a false reality as a way of living. If we make ourselves the God or the Lord of our own lives, we then will always fall short because how many of us know that we mess up, that we are imperfect? We've built on the wrong foundation. So if we choose to live our life for God, if we choose to fear him and live for him in everything, ultimately we'll see great blessings of his promise and we'll live and walk in truth. 
My second point is the way of blessing is generational. I just loved seeing Shane and Pepina. When they were rehearsing, Pepina had Demetrius in her arms. And it was just this, this attitude of actually they're both worshipping the King of Kings and holding. Shane's got her child in her womb and Pepina was holding Demetrius. And it's like this picture of this is generational. You know, these women are singing the goodness of God and they're singing it over their child. They're singing it over um, who God is as well. So generational is knowing that there's people that have gone before us and there's people that are after us that have walked this path of blessing, that know what it is to follow God. And really blessing is hereditary. Um, you can see it in the lineage of faithful believers, as I mentioned from Genesis to Revelation, but you can also see it in our in our life here now, um, in your family life, or maybe in like great theologians or great authors that you know who are Christians. You can see God's blessing amongst his people and as we read this passage you may have recognized the language is quite interesting um, so I'm speaking on this passage I'm a single woman I'm not a man I'm not married I don't have children except this passage is saying if you have those three things you are blessed but we need to understand that actually this is not how we're meant to read this specific piece of scripture uh, it's actually not a checklist to be ticked off um, in order that we would experience God's blessing. But in fact, this particular psalm is um, specific for the Hebrew culture. So the readers, the pilgrims who would have read and sang these songs would have known exactly what this psalmist was trying to say. They would have picked up on his signs of happiness, on his signs of fruitfulness of life. And actually that would look like a wife with children and then children gathering around the table. This is a picture of fruitfulness. This is a picture of blessing. So we know that we don't need to reproduce this in order to experience and encounter God's blessing. I know for a fact I don't have, I'm not a man and I don't have, I'm not married, I don't have children, but I've already in my life experienced the goodness of God and the blessings that he has for me in my life. So this is a really a poetic picture of what we can understand blessing is. And I just want to say, sometimes we find that when we read the Bible, sometimes we read it and we think, oh, well, for me, I'm not a man. How on earth is this going to relate to me? God, if you want to speak to me, why is this a particular picture for someone who's not me? But actually, we need to understand that certain parts of scripture are meant to be interpreted in different ways. Some of it is poetry. Some of it is seeing this picture of what God is creating. And then some of it is literal. Some of it is we need to walk exactly in those ways. So just to understand that, don't fear when you come across passages like this. But instead, just ask God, what are you trying to say to me through this passage? To understand this is to understand fruitfulness on this side of heaven and for it to impact generations to come. Because blessing has inherent power to increase. It is constant, it will keep going. Blessing always goes before us and we will see it through the generations. And the very character of blessing is actually to multiply. Once you acknowledge one thing that God has done in your life and how he's opening your eyes to see the other things that he's done. And I know for me, when I, when I give in terms of like time or my, in my belongings or actually in my finances, God is doing a greater thing in me as I choose to use the thing that he's blessed me with in order to bless someone else. And actually greater blessing is knowing that it is more of a blessing to give than it is to receive. My third point is the way of blessing is not easy. 
But being on this path, we know that difficulties will come. The Bible is very clear about heroes of faith, men and women who have experienced great difficulty, whether that's from their own doing or for the things that have happened to them. And even the message translation, I found this quite difficult um, that Alan read. It said um, something about God leading the smooth, straight road. And I was like, I don't think the Christian walk is a smooth, straight road. It feels like anything but that. But to understand that these difficulties we face are not inherent of the faith that we have but a result of number one the world that we live in the fact that this world is fallen it's broken there is you know terrible things happening to, like by terrible people to innocent people everywhere but then also the people that live in this world we're in inherently fallen as well that we sin that we mess up we're imperfect and we therefore can't match up to the level of perfection that God is and actually that there's a real enemy in this world. Jesus says in John 10.10, 10, the enemy is out to steal, kill and destroy. So what we can understand here is there is a fight of faith to be waged. The way of faith, the way of blessing is in tune with God and what he is doing. The road that we are traveling is a well-traveled road of discipleship. I went to Trent Park yesterday. I don't know if everyone, everyone's probably been to Trent Park because it's like one of the main places to go. But anyway, I found myself walking down like a little walkway that was similar to this. And uh, me and my friend, we were there. We had like leaves in our hair. It was all like really messy, to be honest. Um, but actually, we knew that there was this clear path on the floor that we were meant to follow. And even though the surroundings felt like really, you know, kind of claustrophobic and the branches were coming in everywhere, we knew that there was this path that we were trying to follow. And what I see from that picture as well, you can see that there's this, there's this, muddy path that has been trodden down the grass has gone away because there's been enough people walking on it in different weather conditions in order for it to make itself known and that's what we see really when I when I go through difficult situations and I'll talk to people I know who are Christians as well and I say this is what I'm finding really hard I'm really wrestling with this or this is something that's become quite a problem in my life and then they say oh yeah, when I went through that, or actually when I went through something really similar, and then they share this moment of actually, we've been through a very, very similar thing. And they, they point to what God has done in that situation. They point to what God said. And then it just reminds me that actually, I'm not the first person to encounter these really difficult things that happen in life, or these things that I'm wrestling with. But actually, this path that we're following is a well-traveled path of discipleship. It is a well-worn path. And actually, when we come across those bumps and those trips, we know that we're going the right way because we're, we're being shook and shaken in our situation. And that is the way of blessing. But the way itself, it has no initiations, it has no special tricks, no required look that you need to be able to get onto it. It's just the simple truth that we acknowledge Jesus Christ is Lord. That he died on the cross in our place we deserved, but in his mercy, grace and abundance, he took on death for our sake. Conquering death and he rode arose again on the third day, proving he was the son of God. When we take communion, we are saying, God, you have done this and I will worship you. I will follow you for the rest of, the, of my days because you've done so much for me. That way, by following this truth, we're able to walk in God's ways. And by default, we experience his blessings. We experience the fullness of life that he wants us to step into until 
in heaven right now, but actually until Jesus comes again, we will experience these blessings. And so by turning away from our old life and stepping into this new life, really our life truly then begins because before you were sleeping and now you are awake. But we actually have to recognize that it's still not easy. We daily need to pick up our cross. Jesus said to the disciples in Matthew 16, verse 24 to 25, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That is the call that we're meant to have, the weight that we have of actually picking up our cross, our cross that carries all of our sin and things, and recognizing that we decrease in order for Jesus to increase in our life, for God to be worshipped. My fourth point is the way of blessing is following God's yes. In the message translation, it said, stand in awe of God's yes. So there's this moment we stand in awe. We think, wow, God, you're incredible. You're amazing. And then we have to respond and then we have to follow exactly what he's saying. So for me, um, a little bit about me, I grew up uh, in the north of England, you can probably tell my accent's a bit weird, um, and I always grew up singing, I always grew up really wanting to move to London, I don't know why, I was just desperate to move to the city, and in 2018, I felt like God actually like confirmed and said to me, these, these things that I've put on you for singing and for wanting to move to London are not just things that a fun and that they could be like pipeline dreams but I actually want you to step into them and I was like oh my gosh God like I can't believe you would actually want me to step into these things I can't believe you're actually kind and you see what we desire and you see what we need as well and in 2020 I actually made the move to London I packed up everything and moved and by God's great blessing um, I found somewhere to live a church to call home and I had a few jobs as well and the two main jobs that I've stuck are me working here at Trinity I'm the youth worker here and work with a few other things as well um, but then also working for a Christian charity called The Message um, and it's quite common knowledge that I'll be leaving The Message at the end of July because Actually, last December, I felt real conviction that God had provided and wanted me to step into coming to London and follow what he's asked me to do um, for music and for singing and doing what he's asked me to do and, bless, and what he's blessed me with. But I've spent the last couple of years doing a lot of other things, a lot of amazing other things, but not actually the thing that he's asked me to do. And after praying, I knew that God was nudging me to leave my job with the message and to actually step in faith into what he's got for me as well. So in amongst that, it was difficult. I had to you know, think about my finances, think, hey, God, I don't really know what you're going to do with that by me going from two jobs to one job. And even actually just, I'm not a confrontation person, but speaking to my boss about leaving and my colleagues and it just being quite sad. But in every conversation I had, in every moment, God just gave me the right words to say, the words I needed to say in order to communicate with them what I was going to do. And actually as well, um, God is so kind that he even like just brought people around me, complete like strangers, but Christians to speak words of knowledge into my situation and say, actually one, one person said to me, I just feel like God's saying that you're not going to do this job forever. Little did you know I had already left the job and I said that I was going to go. But it was just that confirmation that I needed from, from God to be like, I'm, I'm equipping you. I'm letting you step into exactly what you need to step into and as I look back I see his hand on every conversation on every prayer on every time I was frustrated with my job because it wasn't what I moved here to do 
And God really gave me the patience to endure the waiting period. And often when we step into his promises, we're required to trust God more. And that's where I find myself now and just like, okay, God, I'm going to do music. This is fine. This is great. But ultimately for me, I'm, I'm struggling specifically in finances. Why would you want me to leave something, leave my security, leave my stability in order to step into the unknown? And Actually, really, um, I spent the weekend with my family last week and it was really nice. got to see them all and stuff, but I just felt this real weight of me being worried about my finances. They were just, I was really stressed. I was really anxious. I was just like talking to my sisters and my mum, my dad. And I was just like, I don't really know how I'm going to do it. I'm a bit scared. And I talked to everyone about how stressed I was. I didn't actually really talk to God about it. But um, when I was about to come back to London, I was on the train and I started writing this sermon. And I just felt like God asked me to tell this testimony of why I moved to London, um, me leaving my job at the Message Trust. And then also like what what I'm doing now, I'm I'm, I'm wanting God to provide financially for me to be able to live and um and I was a bit annoyed that God asked me to tell this testimony because I was just like it has no ending like it's just and now I'm still waiting for God to provide um but I was like it'll it'll end a little flat but maybe you know it'll it'll speak to someone's heart and maybe that's what I need to do but actually God just knew exactly what I needed to do because I wrote I wrote the testimony on the Monday, that's what I was gonna say. And then on the Tuesday evening, a couple gave me a thousand pounds and said, Becca, we were just praying and we just really felt like God wanted us to give you this money. And I was just gobsmacked because I was just like, God, like how do you see everything? Like, of course he does, he's God. But at the same time, I'm like, God, like I just can't believe you would be so kind that you'd see me in this situation and give me exactly what I need. Or not even exactly what I need, but enough to say, I see you and I'm going to provide. I'm going to step in to this situation and be with you in it. And that for me was stepping into obedience of like, even putting this testimony in, being like, it doesn't really have a good ending, but I'll put it in. And now I'm sharing it on Sunday and I'm able to say that God has given, given me a gift that I didn't expect. But actually, I am still worried. I will still find myself in those moments slightly stressed and slightly, ah, I don't know what I'm going to do. But I know that this tells me that God is with me and that God sees me. And ultimately, by choosing his ways, we're stepping into the greater things that he has for us, the specific things that he has for you. He's gifted you. He's blessed you with specific things. And I feel like God is today just nudging you to say, I want you to step into those more. And I listed some of them um, because I feel like that's what, you know, you almost need that nudge to be like, that's it. Yeah, for me, Um, whether it's politics, whether it's feeding the poor, it's carrying moral values and making them known to others. It's stirring up the church into deeper spiritual disciplines. It's social justice or it's personal relationships that you're wanting to develop. And and in all of this, the gospel being preached, but maybe specifically for you, it's like, how do I get the gospel preached? How can I actually be used by God in that? But ultimately, when we step into obedience, we see his blessing. And it's never passive. It's never just us being like, okay, God, I'm just going to do it. Sometimes he actually requires us to do something. He requires us to ask for what we need also. And I think that's for us personally in the room. That's for us where we face those difficulties. For me, asking for God to provide. But I think that's also for us as a church, the season that we find ourselves in now. For those of you who don't know, we have the centre across the road, which is where we'll be doing 
doing the outdoor baptisms and and in that we we do so many things mid in the midweek and um, it's really really great place that we have to be able to use but the council are wanting to build flat on that land that we have the center so they're wanting to temporarily relocate us put us somewhere different for maybe three years whilst they build these flats and then they'll build build these flats and then bring us back in with a purpose-built space underneath um, at the on the bottom floor and it sounds like a great idea but it's proving really difficult because they just can't find anywhere for us that is fitting every requirement that we need because we head up a food bank for most of the week there we have baby basics we have midweek meetings like church supper or prayer meetings we have youth that meet there and then we also have like office space for the staff team so we have to tick off a lot of these things so it's proving really difficult but we know that if we ask God to provide, that he will abide, that he will provide in abundance for us. Specifically, um, we're asking him for the old Travis Perkins building, which is just next door to the centre. We're asking for God to just open a door for us to be able to use this building, to have this building as a way that we do our community projects and our midweek meetings and everything else. Um, we actually have to do something about it, don't we? We have to actually pray. We have to say, God, would you give us this building? Would you provide in this way for us? Because don't we believe that he will do it? Don't we believe that he will provide all of our needs if we ask him? And Jesus says in the Gospels, he says, ask and it will be given to you. So we actually have to do something about it. And we will then experience in that obedience of asking his blessing for us. And I feel like God is saying through that picture of the children gathering around the table that we see in the psalm. That's kind of like what God wants us to have with these stories of provision, especially within the center. So I haven't been here for a very long time. But Duncan and Andy were sharing the stories of basically how we got to meet in St. James's school, how we how we have the center to begin with, how we actually don't need to worry about rent for the center because it's all covered because God provides so won't he do it again won't he bless us again my fifth and final point is the way of blessing is clear and we are called to walk in it in Matthew 7 verses 13 to 14 Jesus says the golden rule which is enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. People are going to come up with their own way of life. They're going to go down the wide road. They'll maybe make up new systems, make up new values, solutions to get to the end goal. But ultimately, they'll all fall short of the way that God asks us to walk, which is the narrow path, which leads to blessings, which leads to fullness of life, which leads to fruitfulness and ultimately eternity with him. And we need to carry this heavenly perspective as we go into our day-to-day -day life. We need to know that, God, if I'm obedient in you, ultimately you will bless. But actually, it's not just about this world that we're in right now, but it's when I'm with you in heaven. It's when I leave this earth and I step into the fullness of life with you as well. Because in the end, those who don't follow the narrow path will ultimately end up trapped in the, the pits and the holes that they've buried themselves into and will ultimately need someone to help them. 
John Henry Newman um, was quoted in Eugene Peterson's book and it says, if I want to travel the north and all the roads are cut to the east, of course I shall complain of the roads. I shall find nothing but obstacles. I shall have to surmount walls and cross rivers and go round about and after all fail of my end. This ultimately is the response of those who want to walk, who want to have the way of blessing, but actually don't want to walk the path that it takes to get there. Because everybody wants to be happy. Everybody wants to be blessed. But ultimately, the route is not easy. In this life, we see so many people willfully refusing to take this narrow path and refusing to pay attention to the one who gives life in all of its fullness. And supposing that the Christian way is actually the, the way that doesn't really make sense, the way is harder, they do it all in their own strength. And ultimately, they've chose the harder path. So the question is, who will be the Lord of your life? God's ways and God's presence are where we experience the blessing that lasts. And by getting there, there is a call for us to surrender our life and give everything to him. And as we do that, we step into what he has for you. I'm going to finish in a moment, but if the band could come up. And I've just got two things to mention. My first one is, um, I don't know... Uh, where everyone's at in this room. I don't know how many people would say that they're Christian, how many people would say that Jesus is the Lord of their life. Um, or maybe it's actually you don't really know where you're at in your faith. You don't really know who God is and, and you're just kind of here because you've been brought here. But um, my question to you is, how do you do it? You don't have to make yourself known, but how do you do it? How do you walk this life without the hope of Jesus? without the hope of the cross that ultimately removes all the difficulties that are in this world and fills us with the peace and joy of what he has done. When everything is crumbling around you, where do you turn? And then my second point is actually, I would, I would love to pray for those in the room who are struggling with financial um, insecurities um, as myself I was this week and I definitely know that when God puts something on my heart in terms of sharing it it's because there's other people in the room that are also in that position and also if you've got job instability as well I'd love to pray for you so as we um, kind of come back into worship could we all stand and I'm going to pray for us and if um, if you need that that prayer of financial stability or a job to come through I just ask you to put your hand over your heart just to respond in this. Father God, we thank you that you are a God who is close in times of difficulty, who is near in times of uncertainty. God, ultimately, you provide all we need. You provide all we need in relationship with you and what you've done for us on the cross. So Lord, we just thank you for what you've done Lord, I just want to pray specifically for the people in this room that are struggling, that are weighed down by anxiety and stress and fear and worry, Lord. We just pray against those things in Jesus' name. Would you replace those with peace, with joy, with fullness of life, with knowing that you have done it all, that you will provide in whatever way that looks like father and I do actually pray right now for financial blessing in this room for people who in this in this current state of the economy are struggling to to pay bills to 
to know what next month is going to look like. Lord, we just pray for you to provide in immaculate measure, Lord, for those in the room that need it. And we also pray for those in the room who are just really on a job search and need the right job to come up. God, we just pray, would you provide exactly what is needed? I pray actually for it to be through friends of friends or family members that people get jobs and actually they don't have to go through the whole process of, uh, of difficulty of applying online and the, and the stress that comes with that. But Lord, I just pray for the right people to come in their life that would speak truth and that would open the right doors for them. Jesus, we thank you so much for what you did on that cross for us. Lord, we ask, would you lead us in obedience to you as we step into the fullness of life that you have for us, as we step into relationship with you, would you lead us and, and we know we will see your blessing. Amen.